The episode you are about to hear was first broadcast on May 26, 2015. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 390 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is a radio archive for the schizophrenia community. So what is this? Well, the radio part is what we're using right now. You are listening to us, and we can be listening to you from almost anywhere in the world where there's internet. The archive part is what we use to record and store all our episodes so these can be listened to at any time on any day from almost anywhere. For the schizophrenia community, we'll use the radio archive to enable individuals living with schizophrenia, their families and their family caregivers, and their providers of healthcare and social services to describe firsthand their experiences of schizophrenia. Now, we know, we really do know, that people living with schizophrenia want to share their experiences with others, to learn from the experiences of others, and to know that they are not alone. And what makes the Radio Archive so special is that it's recording and analyzing schizophrenia's history so we can all better understand schizophrenia, which is why our topic Radio Archive for the Schizophrenia Community is so important for the schizophrenia community. Now, to discuss it, our guests are Dr. Chris Somerville and Doug Race. Chris is CEO of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada and Executive Director of the Manitoba Schizophrenia Society. He serves on numerous boards and committees, including the Mood Disorders Society of Canada, the National Network on Mental Health, the Canadian Alliance on Mental Illness and Mental Health, and several ethics committees. With an earned doctorate, he is certified with the International Association of Psychosocial Rehabilitation Services as a psychosocial rehabilitation practitioner and as an intervention trainer with Living Works. As a family member and a recipient of psychiatric services, Chris sees mental illness as an issue not only in health, but also in social justice. Doug is a member of the board of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada, is acting as the Education Committee Chair, and is a member of the Advocacy Committee. He's a board member with the Schizophrenia Society of Alberta. He's Vice Chair and Governance Committee Chair. 
Through his own family's experiences, he's learned of the troubles in managing schizophrenia and he's developed deep compassion for individuals and families coping with severe mental illnesses. And he believes that more can be done by government and society to make things better. And in 2006, he earned the Bachelor of Science degree in science with a major in chemistry from St. Francis Xavier University, Nova Scotia, Canada, and he works in oil and gas. So welcome to the show, Chris and Doug. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dr. Ashley. I'm glad to be here. Okay, great. Chris, first question for you. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and your experience with schizophrenia. I'm 64 uh, years old. Uh, no, I'm not 64. I'm actually 62, so I'm making myself older here. But um, I've lived in the United States, as you can tell by the southern accent, and uh, for the first 20 years of my life, uh, career rather, uh, I was a pastor. So I've pastored both in the United States and in Canada, and have been in Canada since 1985. It's been my joy and pleasure to be the executive director of the Manitoba Schizophrenia Society for 20 years, and now are privileged, uh, starting on my eighth year as CEO of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. I also served uh, six years on the board of directors of the Mental Health Commission of Canada and learned a lot about our mental health system in Canada, what's lacking and what is needed. Uh, my experience uh, with schizophrenia and mental illness uh, is as follows. Uh, seven of my mother's seven children had mental illnesses or and mental health problems or languishing uh, mental health. I have a brother with schizophrenia. I have a brother who had bipolar disorder and suicided, as did my father who had bipolar disorder and suicided. Um, and I myself have struggled significantly with clinical depression, uh, some form of psychosis as a teenager, uh, in my later years, some panic attacks, and also have struggled with substance misuse. So this is my passion, and I enjoy it very much. Uh, some of my uh, most popular best friends are people with mental illness. Right. Now let's ask Doug, same question. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and your experience with schizophrenia. Doug? Uh, well, yeah, I'm uh, 31 years old from uh, Nova Scotia, just recently married. And, and uh, you know, my career, I've been working as a chemist in oil and gas, but my uh, my true passion uh, has been basically with the things I've been doing on the boards with the Schizophrenia Society Alberta and Schizophrenia Society Canada and Lavelle Center and things like that. That's where I would actually love to shift my career and move into the mental health sector at some point. Uh, it'd be nice to make some money while I do the things that I really enjoy. Uh, so that's where you know I you know my my kind of my real passion for a career goes. And and with my experience with schizophrenia is related to my brother who's three years older than me, and uh, he was diagnosed back in 2001. And it was something for us that was you know it was very new. Uh, it, was, it was frightening uh, at the time. You know we didn't understand what was going on, and so just through his experience that he had. Um, we were able to, to see a lot of things happening, a lot of changes in his life. And, uh, you know, it really opened up my eyes as I got older to say, wow, you know, we need to do something about this. And, you know, he went through some quite traumatic experiences. Uh, and, and, you know, when it came to hospitalization, the judicial system, uh, it's, uh, it's quite the story. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably get into it. And, uh, yeah, from there, you know, when I got older, I realized I wanted to get onto these boards and get involved in the committees and societies and try to make a difference that, uh, 
uh, people in society don't have to experience what my family had to when it came to this illness. And people need to realize that, you know, it's it's not something that is as scary as, as we think, you know, right. as well. So. Get back to Chris. Please tell us more about your work as the CEO of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. Chris? Well, I truly enjoy it because it helps me to um, make it a reality of the importance of working with people with schizophrenia and, and those who are affected. In fact, uh, you know, my goal is to help the organization to live out its mission statement, which is to improve the quality of life of those affected by schizophrenia and psychosis. So the various schizophrenia societies across the provinces, we engage in public education and awareness, one-on-one consultation, uh, support groups for families as well as for people living with um, mental illness like schizophrenia and psychosis. We engage in advocacy as well in terms of helping our country have a better mental health system. And then we also engage in research. So we have the Schizophrenia Society of Canada Foundation, which is, which is the research arm of um, SSC. So basically I'm an administrator. I like to consider myself an activist, I'm certainly an advocate uh, regionally and provincially and federally. And as I travel across Canada, I see the unmet needs, the lack of resources and capacity, and all of that results in people not receiving timely assessments and also not being able to act, get access to appropriate uh, services, whether that's a hospital bed or housing or community supports and services. My main passion, though, is to foster a culture of recovery. So I'm very passionate about uh, Canada moving towards a recovery-oriented mental health system and services. Right. Now, Doug, same question. Please tell us more about your work as a member of the board of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. Doug? Well, one, one thing I can say is, you know, Chris is our acting CEO, and he's been tremendous, and he truly is an activist and an advocate. And as a board works, it's a governance-style model, so we essentially are, are only in control of the executive director, uh, and in control meaning saying that he's the person we're going to appoint. And we basically set up the values, the vision, the goal, the direction that we want to go, and then Chris is the one who actually makes it happen. As board members, we act as stewards for the society, so, you know, we, um, we want to be in advocating um, and, and trying to educate the community in different ways. And, uh, you know, we have multiple committees, you know, like I said, on the education committee, the one that I'm particularly uh, chairing, you know, with our group. And so it's all about trying to collaborate, get everybody on the same page, bring all the different provincial societies together, speak with one voice. And, uh, yeah, that, that sort of thing. Right. Now, back to Chris. Um Schizophrenia Society of Canada is a national organization. How does it relate to the provincial, or in American terminology, the state associations for schizophrenia? Chris, just quickly. Well, uh, we're, we're not really a federation. Uh, each of our schizophrenia societies, including the Schizophrenia Society of Canada, are autonomous, uh, separately incorporated with our own charitable numbers. But we do try to work collaboratively in that uh, 10 of our board members at the national level uh, come representing uh, their schizophrenia society provincially. And uh, consequently, we also uh, have volunteers on our committees, like the Advocacy Committee or Education Committee that Doug chairs, uh, who come from various provinces as well. So though it's not a top-down organization, uh, we, we try to keep in touch with the grassroots level to know what the issues are. Right. 
Now, just a very quick one for, for Doug. Uh, as a member of the board of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada, you're making decisions or helping make decisions or participating in decisions about what the Schizophrenia Society of Canada does. Are you in any way influencing, say, the Alberta Association, of which you're a board member, Doug? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's the same sort of structure, having the governance model, and we have our own separate executive director that works for Alberta, just like all the provinces have. And, uh, you know, so the national one is where we have Chris as the CEO, and in Alberta we have a different individual who's also a very excellent and, and capable person. And so, yeah, it's the same sort of thing, doing uh, your values, your vision, your goals, your key messages, ensuring you have good, strong board members to help make the decisions. You want to have a nice, diverse group, whether it being lawyers, doctors, finance people, uh, people with just compassion and lived experience. And there's always ways to develop uh, your board and your society. And, you know, like, uh, for instance, we just went through and did uh, a new key messaging, uh, you know, sit down with all of us face-to-face just on the weekend, having the board and the executive director and a few other staff as well. And going through that, re reestablish them, making sure that we're all on the same page when we do our, our talks about it, and uh, also putting together a strategic plan, you know, for the executive right. director going forward. Right. Now it's now time to take the break. This is where I always say we we have to pay the rent too. So this is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guests are Dr. Chris Somerville and Doug Grace. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat, creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, 
please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and to Dr. Chris Somerville and uh, Grace. Our topic is Radio Archive for the Schizophrenia Community. Now, both of you, let's talk about the challenges that schizophrenia creates for individuals who live with it, for their families and their family caregivers, and for healthcare and social services provided for individuals who live with schizophrenia. So first of all, Chris, please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for individuals who are living with schizophrenia. Chris? Well, there certainly are many challenges that one faces uh, as they deal with schizophrenia, which the World Health Organization says is potentially the most devastating of uh, illnesses. Uh, There are different forms of schizophrenia, and it can be mild, moderate, or or severe. Uh, I think the primary challenge is overcoming the mental illness, and we call that recovery. So whether that's going into remission or people learn how to actually manage their illness through medication, talk therapies, peer support, so that would be the first challenge. Uh, another challenge would be dealing with the stigma that's there. And stigma is made up of stereotypes, you know, that, uh, for example, that um, people with schizophrenia are violent. Uh, the second element of stigma is prejudice, and that's your emotional attitude towards the person in which um, you distance yourself from them. And then there's discrimination. So stigma always results in discrimination. I don't want that person living next door to me. Uh, another challenge is lack of access to psychological supports and uh, in terms of um, uh, finding a psychologist and Medicare doesn't t- pay for psychological supports. And that's very important because 7% of people with mental illnesses, severe mental illnesses especially, are dealing with some form of trauma. Another challenge is lack of access to social services. So those who are disabled by their schizophrenia often lack uh, sufficient income, uh, lack of decent uh, affordable housing, or they just can't find the service providers to be able to live successfully in the community. And uh, this can often result in lack of social inclusion. So just discrimination, to go back to that again, always results in social exclusion rather than inclusion. And finally, uh, one of the challenges we have in Canada is that our largest um, mental health asylum, as I call them, is our prison system. Um, We have more people with mental illness in prisons than any other locale or place. Uh, Somewhere between 15 and 25 percent of uh, prison inmates uh, uh, enter with a mental illness or mental health problem. And, and finally, people are also struggling with lack of recovery-oriented mental health services. So Canada must move to transform its mental health system to be in recovery-oriented, which means the goal is not just symptom reduction, but helping people have quality of life and social inclusion. Right. Doug, please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for families and family caregivers of individuals who are living with schizophrenia. Doug? Well, I'm happy that Chris gave such a you know detailed explanation because a lot of the things that the individuals have the challenges for are the same things that the families and family caregivers are going to experience as well. And uh, you know, if I were to think about it, you know, fear and stigma, of course, are one of the two most driving aspects of it because when it comes to families uh, and family caregivers, it's about understanding this illness and knowing that 
this is something that can be recovered from. You know, you read about quotes in books where people are saying, you know, my, my, my son has been diagnosed with schizophrenia, and they say to the doctor, well, it couldn't have been cancer instead. You know, like, why wasn't it cancer? You know, they're, they're wishing that it was something else that was actually far more detrimental and, and more dangerous than schizophrenia. So it's that whole concept of fear and the stigma that surrounds it that families need to understand, and we need to educate all the public and let them realize, no, this is something that you can recover from. It is not something that uh, can, it's, very, it's a very difficult illness, do not get me wrong, but it is completely recoverable, it's treatable, it's not something to be scared of. You know, 1% of the population deals with it, and we can actually, you know, they can live a good quality of life as long as we have the social services and the things provided by government and by, you know, the organizations like the Schizophrenia Society of Canada and all the other affiliates. All these, all these places uh, need to have the support from government, the financials, the things like that to actually get them moving, get their word out, and let people know that, you know, families do not have to be scared of their loved one getting this illness, and they can treat it just like a common cold, a heart condition, a broken leg, anything like that. And that would be one of the most important things, and I think the challenge is to actually get that ingrained into the families and into the minds of everybody in Canada. Thanks, Doug. And that leads us directly to the next question for Chris, which is, Chris, tell us, please, what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for healthcare services that are provided for individuals, provided to individuals who live with schizophrenia. What What are those challenges? Chris? Well, we certainly are blessed to have the kind of healthcare system that we do in Canada, and we have many caring, good service providers within the mental health system. And yet at the same time, Dr. Atherley, there's a lot of frustration and a lot of burnout on the part of mental health service providers. And that's primarily because the demand is so high and we lack the resources and the capacity to handle all of those demands. And mental health uh, service providers, um, they understand, you know, the condition of the patient. They understand the challenges for the family members. And um, so we have to think about their own mental health as well. And we also know that there's stigma within the healthcare profession, uh, the Canadian Medical Association as well as the Canadian Psychiatric Association have done their research that does uh, uh, highlight the fact that, unfortunately, stigma does exist amongst healthcare providers. Another challenge is that, as I said earlier, I'm passionate about the recovery paradigm, and we're not a recovery-oriented mental health system. We don't, we don't have that yet in Canada, and it will take um, uh, 20 years probably to fully have a recovery-oriented mental health system. And what that means, a system that emphasizes uh, quality of life, sees a person, not a label, uh, sees strengths and not deficits, uh, listens to the hopes and choices and provides opportunities uh, for people to have self-determination. So that's, uh, in short, what a recovery-oriented mental health service would look like, that the policies would, would, would support recovery. Um, finally, uh, the challenges that healthcare providers face is, uh, are the lack of resources and the lack of capacity, and the lack of resources and lack of capacity create stress for both healthcare providers and patients, and it results in wait times and lack of sufficient time with the patient. Now, Doug, 
same question, but this one is to do with social services. So, please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for social services provided for individuals who live with schizophrenia. Doug? Yeah, I would say uh, funding is a, is a huge aspect. That's, that's, a, that's a big challenge. You know, if you don't have the actual funding capability, you know, it's hard to expand your organization and provide the communication that you need to get your voice out there and to, and to really use, utilize your services. And uh, so, you know, we have to rely a lot on fundraising and community, you know, in order to get our, our actual finances. But, you know, if we could have something a little bit more from, you know, the governmental side potentially, but, you know, that'd be great. But, you know, it's very difficult. Everybody's uh, running thin when it comes to the, the medical system, of course. You know, there's a lot going on. And, and like Chris said, you know, we should be proud in Canada for the health care service that we have. Uh, so the social services, you know, the, the financial side is, is a huge aspect. And, like, you know, even just regarding that, you know, we lose people who are actually working for our particular uh, organization to the other medical health branches, you know, because they may have better pension, better pay, things like that. So it's hard to retain good staff. So that that's, that's a huge one for us, for sure. I, I forgot to mention, Dr. Atherley, that one of the oh. great challenges of healthcare providers is engaging families in a meaningful way. Families feel left out, out of the loop because of personal health information acts. And so the Mental Health Commission of Canada has devised a family caregiver guideline for service providers as to how to meaningfully engage family members. Now, just to go back to what Doug was saying, is that a question of money, uh, Chris, that you've just raised, or is it more a matter of understanding of the nature of the challenges and doing things about them by, for example, improving understanding of the challenges? Chris? Hello, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought Let the me... question was—I thought the question was for Doug. No, it's for you, Chris. <laughs> hey, Chris, we want to—we want to hear from you, man. You're the real expert yeah. around here, buddy. Yeah. Well, re- well uh, you'd have to repeat the question again, Doctor. Okay. Ashley. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, no, no worries. Let me just ask you this one: Is this challenge that you've identified, um, which is basically uh, the understanding of the nature of the problems of schizophrenia for people who live with it, for the family caregivers, is conquering that problem a matter of money or is it more a matter of creating a better understanding? Chris? Well, it's, it's, it's both, actually. I mean, we have to create a better understanding of what schizophrenia is like, what it's like to live with it, the burden that it places upon family members, and the cost to society. I mean, mental illnesses as a whole uh, cost the Canadian economy uh, $50 billion a year, and schizophrenia is right up there because one in 100 people will have some form of schizophrenia. And, and, and so uh, to avoid relapse, which is very costly health-wise and also in terms of economics, uh, we can make a strong business case that the earlier you intervene um, and also the more community supports and services you have, then the less costly it's going to be to the health care system and less of an economic burden to society. So early intervention is important. Having appropriate community supports and services so as to avoid relapse um, are, are key. And, and obviously you're going to have to spend more money in the community 
uh, after deinstitutionalization in the 60s, the, the money saved by closing some hospital beds was to flow into the community. It's never sufficiently cl- flowed into the community, and so there are people who are living in poverty, uh, and that's a stressor, and consequently they're going to relapse more. Right. Is it, there isn't time, Doug, to ask you this as a question, but I'm going to just say to you, I take it that you are in accord with what Chris has been saying about the money because you raised the question of funding. Do you agree with him on that? 100%, you know, and uh, it'd be great to be able to get you know, the voice out and actually get the understanding out to the community. And you might be able to do that without money even. You know, there might be some really cost-effective ways that can actually get the voice and get the advocacy out there. Perhaps right. a radio show? <laughs> Good. Now, on that suggest- point... <laughs> On that beautiful point, we're going to have to take the break. Uh, This is Dr. Gordon Anthony, and my guests are Dr. Chris Somerville and uh, Grace. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Lots of people talk about publishing their work, but have no idea where to start. If you are one of these aspiring authors or know somebody who is, don't miss Publishing Today Radio with Athena Dean Holtz. Thought leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and in general, storytellers all want to get their messages in print, and that includes branding and marketing. Athena and her guests are here to answer your publishing questions and more. Tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Chris Somerville and uh, Grace. Our topic is Radio Archive for the Schizophrenia Community. Now, both of you, let's talk about the ways in which you think that the Radio Archive will help meet the challenges, the challenges you've identified that schizophrenia creates for individuals who live with it, their families and their family caregivers, and for healthcare and social services. So, Chris, start with you, please. Highlight for us, please. 
the ways you see the Radio Archive helping meet the challenges created for individuals who live with schizophrenia. Chris? Well, we know more than ever before uh, about mental illness and what helps people to get better and to recover. And so the need is to get that information out there. So there is the need uh, for education and knowledge and public awareness. And we see the Schizophrenia Society of Canada Radio Archive achieving that. Uh, people do want the information. Uh, it's like, you know, if you have a car and it's running well, then you don't really go out and search about what the new cars are and what's the advantages of the new cars. But when you need a car, then you start looking for information about the kind of car you want, etc. So the same thing. People are not much interested in information about mental illness or schizophrenia until it happens in their family. And once that develops in the family, I mean, people are just searching and hungry for information. So the archive would be for our members, uh, for our constituents and visitors to our website at the Schizophrenia Society of Canada, as well as the provincial schizophrenia societies. And so we would create a timeless archive, so to speak, on subjects such as what is schizophrenia and psychosis, how are they treated, um, family fatigue or compassion fatigue, uh, how to take care of the family member, uh, what is anastenosia, which is lack of insight into your illness. So there's, there's many, many, many topics that we can speak on, and we would refer families and people living with schizophrenia and psychosis, in fact, refer friends and, and employers uh, to listen to these radio shows so that they can gain a better understanding of schizophrenia, that it's treatable, and that recovery is possible. Right. Doug, please highlight for us the ways you see the Radio Archive helping meet the challenges created for families and family caregivers. Doug? Well, piggybacking right on to what Chris said, you know, you have the archive, you have all the information there, you have people with lived experience actually explaining their stories, their situations, and to have all that on record. You can just imagine families just knowing that there's this accessibility to go to this archive, go to this website, and then start to listen to the challenges that the other people have had to have and start to gain the experience, the education, and, and then the trust, you know, the understanding about the illness. You know, my particular family, we didn't have that. You know, when we were, my parents were told uh, that, you know, your son, uh, we believe he had schizophrenia, you know, and that was like the scariest thing that they could have ever heard. And the most frightening thing that my brother ever heard, he ran from it, basically. That's, the, that's what we're trying to prevent is the fear of this illness. And if my parents and my brother had this sort of archive, they'd be able to go on to it and be able to listen to a radio show just like this where we're saying this is not something to be scared of. This is something that you can recover from. Here's other people with, with amazing stories of what they've actually gone through and their recovery journey. And you can, you can learn from that. You can you know, reduce the stigma. It's something that you don't have to be afraid of. And just the, I, I can see such a tremendous aspect for families and, uh, and family caregivers that you be able to just piggyback on the experiences of other people who are archived with your radio show. Right. Chris, please highlight for us the ways you see the Radio Archive helping meet the challenges created for healthcare services and provided well, for num- individuals. Yeah. Well, number one, uh, the Archive would serve as a learning portal for healthcare providers. Notice I didn't say mental health providers, but all healthcare providers need 
a greater understanding of schizophrenia and how to work with the patient and see them as a person and not as a, a label and also to deal with their own self-stigma. Besides it being a learning p- portal for healthcare providers, uh, it can also be a referral a method of telling their patients and family members where they can get more information about subjects like recovery, uh, caregiver uh, fatigue, uh, injectable, long-lasting injectable medications, um, how to support, um, you know, family, families and the burden that they, they, they bear oftentimes feeling isolated and alone and uh, not meaningfully engaged by health care providers. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, for health care providers to, to refer patients and, and families and their colleagues to the archive is sort of like uh, ask, the es- ask the expert. Yes, and the expert are the people who've lived, have, as Doug says, the lived experience. That's right, isn't it, Chris? Right, right. That expertise. Okay. Yeah. Doug, please highlight for us the ways you see the Radio Archive helping meet the challenges created for social services. And obviously, we talk about social services provided for individuals who live with schizophrenia. Doug? You know, just like Chris said, the education aspect of it will be will be huge. You know, like uh, even in our organization, when you bring in new workers uh, who may not know about the illness, you know, per se, they go through their training program, but you can actually refer them to the archive to get some experience and start to hear the stories about it as well. And uh, with 1% of the population uh, having this illness, you know, I could see this; these stories that we start to gather uh, being used potentially, you know, for the policing. Uh, you know, education of policemen, education of the workforce. I know that uh, there's a lot of other organizations who are looking into really good educational tools for the workforce. But, you know, if you want to get into the details of schizophrenia in particular, this could be a great reference tool to start educating those social services uh, to get that out there and let people know this is not something to be afraid of. And so I really do think that, um, you know, it, it can just have a huge educational aspect, you know, like Chris said, a good research, uh, you know, capabilities. And, uh, you know, it just allow people to, they'd be a great tool to use for the people that they work with with schizophrenia. You can imagine um, all the individuals that our staff are working with, when they start going through a hard time and they have a particular instance that maybe we can reflect on the archive, well, that'd be a story that could be used from the archive to maybe present to that person and help for motivational tool who knows, you know, if you, if you can't actually find somebody in person to do it. But, uh, yeah, there's, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of aspects on the education and the compassion side uh, that, will, that will be used as tools in, for education and just usage, you know, in social services for sure. Right. Now, I'd like to go back to Chris and also then you, Doug, with this question. I, in my intro, I said that we know that people living with schizophrenia want to share their experiences with others, to learn from the experiences of others, and to know that they are not alone. Uh, Chris, first of all, do you think I'm right in what I said? Have you any reservations about what I said? Chris? Research demonstrates that contact-based education is the best way to reduce stigma and discrimination. And so that means then actually hearing the story 
of lived experience of what it's like to live with schizophrenia as, as well as what helps and hinders recovery. And it gives us a greater understanding of families as well when family members um, share their, their stories about uh, the challenges and the struggles that they face and their hopes and dreams uh, for their, their loved ones. So I think you're absolutely right. Doug, same question, um, which is, what about my assertion? And I'll repeat it. We know that schizophrenia, people living with schizophrenia want to share their experiences with others, uh, to learn from the experiences of others, and to know that they are not alone. How far do you agree, disagree with that? Doug? Uh, you know, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, with the, with the, the negative rap that schizophrenia, schizophrenia has around it with the stigma that we've created in our society, you know, sharing the stories of individuals and putting the actual faces to it, like Chris said, that contact base is the biggest reduction in stigma. And so instead of us only seeing in the media just the, the bad incidents of schizophrenia on the news station, the sensationalization that we get from media, which is what's promoting that stigma, we now have a different tool to actually show the other side of the coin, the side that is the predominant side, where it's you know, so very rare to see those, those bad incidents. It's such a rare occurrence. You're more likely to be struck by lightning than actually be violently harmed by someone with schizophrenia. And so to actually, you know, let's, let's get away from that sensationalization that's promoting the stigma, and let's get to the real stories of the recovery. And, and the compassionate side of it so that people can truly understand the illness better. And, and this could will be helpful for it, for sure. I just want to say something, explain something that I've learned from doing the four or five years with Family Caregivers Unite. And that's this. Radio is very precious in the way that it enables people to talk and without feeling too threatened. They feel as though they're part of a conversation. Um, they feel as though they don't have to wonder whether what they look like, and they're not disturbed by the idea of TV cameras cir circulating around them. That's one aspect of it. The listeners, all the listeners have got to go on is the voice of the individual and the way in which the individual speaks. And I've done more than one interview with someone who, um, someone who chokes up, They're cl a man close to weeping, and he paused, he couldn't find his voice. Now, you don't interrupt that, because what he's doing is telling us that the question he's struggling with, or she's struggling with, is something of profound relevance and importance to their lives. And that way, um, we get the emotions better than we do through a TV can camera. Now, that isn't me saying TV is to be banned or we must never use it or we must avoid it or that kind of thing. What it's saying is that the reason why radio, in all its shapes and for forms, is still so popular is because of the power of the human voice created by radio and transmitted by radio and now with what we're going to be doing I hope is archived in radio so that's the end of my little speech forgive me for that but um, 
I feel very strongly about the value of what we're talking about. So it's time to take the break. We'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Dr. Chris Somerville and Doug Race. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. On the morning of August 5, 1962, the world awoke to the shocking news that Marilyn Monroe, one of the biggest icons in Hollywood history, had been found dead. What really happened that night? Join Nina Bosky as she seeks to uncover both the life and tragic death of Marilyn Monroe and what keeps her so popular over 50 years later. Good Night Marilyn Radio, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Chris Somerville and Doug Race. Our topic is Radio Archive for the Schizophrenia Community. Now, both of you, let's talk about the things that you will do and would like to do and see done to support the Radio Archive for the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. Chris, how will the Schizophrenia Society of Canada fund the Radio Archive? Dr. Atherley, it's going to cost us approximately $55,000 to create 52 shows, a year's worth of shows of information to the public. And uh, I hope that our members of the Schizophrenia Societies and constituents uh, will designate some funding, uh, some dollars uh, to this project. Uh, one of our appeal letters will deal with this particular initiative and then we hope to get sponsorship from uh, pharmaceutical companies. I intend to, intend to engage in grant writing 
to foundations and corporations uh, within Canada asking for support for the radio program, and then listener support and giving. giving. I mean, there are listeners uh, even listening today who would be able to give a, a sizable um, donation uh, to this valuable initiative that we think um, can revolutionize our understanding of schizophrenia, reducing stigma, and creating a better understanding towards people affected by schizophrenia and psychosis. Right. Doug, how will the Schizophrenia Society of Canada publicize the radio archive? Doug? Well, we have this amazing tool. I think that we've all heard of it. It's called the Internet, and uh, more particular, uh, social media. But what we'll do is we'll actually take the link to the archive show, and we'll put it onto all of our websites, and uh, we can even maybe use it in the Google search whenever you go to search schizophrenia. And maybe when Schizophrenia Society Canada comes up, maybe one of the little sub-links could be the Radio Archive link directly as well. And uh, also through our social media networks, you know, getting it out there, having the different uh, communities, our organizations with schizophrenia, sending it out saying, please take note that this Radio Archive is active and just continue to bombard it. You know, you got to love social media and the Internet because it's either free or relatively inexpensive for the most part. And being able to have just a nice link on the websites that people can always refer back to and, you know, colleagues and advocates can easily email such links to all sorts of individuals. It's just so easy with the Internet now to be able to get this out there. Right. Chris, what more would you like to do to promote the Radio Archive? Chris? Well, I think our main goal with the archive is to create a greater understanding, as I have mentioned a couple of times, and for the public uh, to understand that uh, the 1 in 100 people who will develop some form of schizophrenia uh, can go on, potentially, to live um, a life of quality if we have the right community supports and and, and services in a recovery-oriented mental health system. Uh, getting there, we're going to have to debunk the myths and misunderstandings about people living with schizophrenia and psychosis. So we want to get the facts out. I mean, we are going to engage in stigma busting, so to speak, and we're going to continue to call for recovery-oriented mental health services. So we want to be a resource. We want to be a help meet. Um, We want to be a burden bearer. We want to be a source of support for families and family caregivers and create a better understanding, you know, for family caregivers as, as well. Uh, one of the startling uh, facts is that uh, 50% of people living with schizophrenia will attempt suicide, and yet hope is um, achievable, uh, help is available, schizophrenia is treatable, recovery is possible. And so with those types of marketing messages, we hope that they will, we will garner support for the Schizophrenia Society of Canada's radio archive. Great. Doug, what more would you like to see done and by whom to promote the radio archive? Doug? You know, I would just love to see the educational uh, community, government, and media, you know, promoting this sort of resource. You know, like in the media, if there's a mental health minute, and specifically if it's related to schizophrenia, Put the links up there and let people know that it's out there uh, in, in any of the big mental health campaigns. I'd love to see it on the broadcast on the radio. When people are driving around in their cars, they can actually hear that this is out there. Um, and so just having those types of people who are really engaged with the, you know, getting the education out there 
But then to be able to reflect onto this resource, uh, you can imagine in schools, you know, when they start talking about schizophrenia and mental health courses and things like that, they say, hey, you know, check out this link uh, on the Schizophrenia Society of Canada's radio archive and then take a look at this. You, you could even make assignments based off of, you know, related to the research. So I think there's a lot of people who can promote it and a lot of things that can be done for it. And uh, we just need to get the support of all those facets and get everybody uh, basically sending, here's the link, this is where you can find it, and go see the usefulness of the tool. And this is the place to go. That is the Schizophrenia Society of Canada or the local provincial um, associations to do with schizophrenia. That's right, is it, Doug? Exactly, that's right. Okay. Now, Chris, I want to go back to you and talk about this money business. First of all, um, is the Schizophrenia Society of Canada a registered charity? And if so, in its fundraising for the Radio Archive, will it be able to offer um, you know, tax relief certificates to Canadians who've subscribed or donated? Chris? Yes, we are a registered Canadian charity, and we are able to offer... Uh, tax receipts uh, for this particular project is just designate uh, SSC Radio Archive. Right. Um, because it seems to me that uh, we all donate to, or most of us do, many, many, many Canadians donate to these charities. And it seems to me that uh, that's a way of raising funding um, because it's appealing to the people because they get tax relief on it. Um, there are a, there's a certain amount of controversy about it, but I don't. I, I think I'm right in saying that what Schizophrenia Society of Canada is going to be doing in its fundraising should never be the subject of that kind of controversy. Now, Doug, to go back to you, what about? getting large organizations you're in oil and gas and it can't be although it's not been doing too well at the moment but nevertheless these are large organizations is there any possibility of encouraging them to do what i call sponsor uh, episodes on the radio radio archive show whereby a voice says this episode is brought to you by such and such an oil company or gas company. What do you think of that, Doug? Oh, for sure. I, I think that that's uh, one way that a lot of fundraising is, is to making a turn. You know, uh, instead of doing all the, the events that take so much energy and time, you know, it's about trying to basically present yourself to the larger corporations, the people who have the big dollars, and trying to see if they're willing to get involved. And that's something that a lot of uh, nonprofit organizations are turning to. I think that's a tremendous idea, you know, and it would be good publicity for any particular company, whether oil and gas or not, uh, to actually just get their name out and show them that they're, they're supporting something like this. And you get a, you can get, obviously, a pretty good, you know, hefty dollar or even just uh, sponsoring one episode would be sufficient and, and satisfactory, of course. So, yeah, I think it's a great way. Now, there's a magical component about that in that because this is an archive, the broadcast isn't just going out once or twice or for a period of a week. It's there in the archive forever. Now, you as an organization might want to put some sort of limitation on the amount of time that it can stay in the archive. But at the same time, it's a, it's a fairly long-lived form of 
promotion for the company that's doing the promoting and also for the show. So that's just one more thing we need at some point, I think, to talk about. Now, we're coming to the end. Um, so first of all, I want to say thank you, Chris, and thank you, Doug, for everything. You're sharing with us your own personal experiences, your insights, and your advice. And all I can say on behalf of the schizophrenia community, and of which I am a member too, um, all and continuing success to you in your work. It matters. I want to say thank you to our listeners. With Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research, which this episode is part of. The idea is to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics, such as the one we've just been listening to, and for you to share with us your experiences of healthcare. Please email me to hear more or get involved. And also, if you'd like to be a guest on my show, here's how to connect with me. Please email me at docg at familycaregiversunite, or one word, dot org. Our next episode will be Data Ethics in Medical Research and Healthcare, UK and Canada Compared. Please join us same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.